when we have to deal with a secular matter, people can be so tricky and deceitful, and we are dealing honestly. So we're at a disadvantage in dealing with worldly things, except for one thing. God is on our side when we belong to him, and he knows all truth about the situation. And that puts us over the top and gives us the advantage we need in making decisions. I have a house in Texas that has been on the real estate market for more than a year. It was being represented by a woman and her assistant, two women really. At first they seemed to be very good. They had open houses and they seemed to have an interest in the house. But as time wore on, I began to wonder about it. Finally, it got to a point that I really would have liked to have been loose from this real estate listing with these realtors. But I had five more months on my contract. So I just assumed I would have to tough it out for five more months and stay with these two women. It was extremely difficult for me to communicate with them. They both said they were Christians, but they didn't know how to go in the way of God on this real estate concerning my house. And I would have to correct them and stop them and keep them from doing certain things. And I knew they didn't understand. Finally, the house... Someone made an offer on the house, and it looked good from the standpoint that this house is very artistic that I built, and it's very uh, much would appeal to a professional person. These were two teachers over at Tech, husband and wife, at the university, and they were moving down to Texas from Colorado. I live in Colorado right now. Anyway, they're both going to be professors at Texas Tech, which sounded good, seemed like very professional people. Looks good. The deal looked good. I had priced the house at a rock-bottom price because God had shown me during this coronavirus situation to do that. I had turned to God and asked him if there was anything I needed to be doing in view of this coronavirus and I felt very strongly to lower the price of the house. I lowered it by $50,000, which made it an exceptionally good buy. These people offered uh, to pay that. They offered the contract. But then all kinds of extra things began surfacing that they wanted us to do. I didn't mind doing the extra things if we charged a little more money for the house. And then they began delaying and extending the 10-day deadline in real estate in the United States. I guess it's all over the United States. You, have, you can buy a house and you can tie it up for 10 days while you have inspections done or, and things like that. In that 10 days, you have the option to back out of the contract without penalty. So basically it is 
a little bit hard on the person selling the house since your property is tied up and you are unable to show it to other people during the time that they have the offer on the house. It makes it difficult. At the end of 10 days, these people ask for a five-day extension, which we granted. At the end of the five-day extension, they ask for 24 hours more, which we did not grant. The next day after they ask for that 24-hour extension, they canceled the contract with us. And we were going to go, I told our realtor, just go ahead and put the house back on the market, price it at a little more than we had it priced for because we found in their inspection we were going to have to do some things to the house which would cost us more money. So I was kind of happy they canceled the house so that we could increase the price a little bit. The day following their cancellation of the contract, we got an email from our realtor saying, the time has come for us to part company. They wanted out of the contract with us. It was a shock, even though I had thought maybe we should change realtors. It was still a shock when this happened. The very day it happened, Pam Paget, who is on our board of directors for the ministry and also um, the, this house is owned by the ministry, Pam's on the board of directors and she'd been handling all the things concerning the sale of the house. But that morning she had a very bad migraine and she was unable to work. I was unable to just sit here with that house without finding a realtor. I did two things. First, I sent an email to a woman in Lubbock, Texas that I had come across when we were with the other realtors asking her if she would be interested in being realtor for this house and representing us. All I asked her was, would you be interested? I didn't hear from her immediately, so I got on the internet and got the listings of realtors in Lubbock, Texas, and just started calling realtors. And I called the first one and the phone, it was just a busy signal. The second one I called, they put me in touch with an agent. I talked with him. I liked him. I thought he was a forthright person and would be honest. He was going over immediately to look at the house. In the meantime, this other realtor contacted me, and she said, I'm drawing up the papers right now for your house. I was shocked. All I did was ask her if she would be interested in representing us. And here she's drawing up real estate papers and a contract to send to me. I sent her an email and said, hold on, hold up, hold up. I'm considering this other person as a realtor. She said, I don't know if he'd be the right person for you. And then she went on to say that I had offered her the house. And I said, no, 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 that was not my intention. I just asked if you would be interested in representing the house. There was trouble with this woman from the beginning. Conflict misunderstanding. But the main thing is, Johnny 
was was en route to look at the house even as I was communicating with the other woman. Johnny was en route to look at the house, and I didn't want to put him to all this trouble of going over to look at the house and enlisting with this woman that I'd asked if she would be interested in the house. I wanted to sort through it. Well, she was pushing me so hard, and it was really difficult. This, it's so difficult to deal with secular people because often they have hidden agendas. But we have God, and that makes a huge difference in these things. The only thing I wanted to do was be fair. I wanted to be fair to Johnny. I wanted to be fair to this other real, realtor. I did not think that I had offered her the house. And I told her that. I said, I just asked you if you would be interested in it. I liked what I heard from Johnny. And when he got back from looking at the house, I told him what had happened. And I asked him, I said, does that sound to you like I offered her the house? And he said, no. And I explained that at one point in time, she even told me that she was trying to accumulate cash to pay for the house, to buy it for herself. First, she had told me she asked me if I would rent the house to her. And I told her, no, I, I didn't think so, because we have a nonprofit tax-exempt status on that house, and I don't think they would let us keep our tax-exempt status if I rented it. So I told her, no, I would not rent it. And then she disclosed that she wanted to buy the house. See, you don't really know what's going on with that other person. She said she was a Christian, but almost everybody says they're Christians. The two realtors that no longer wanted to represent us both said they were Christians. You just can't tell. God is the one who knows everything about the situation. When I talked to Johnny about this realtor, this other realtor, and how she had expressed an interest in buying the house, he said we can give her a two-week extension and that would work. And I'm not quite sure what that means, but I think it meant that she could buy the house at a realtor's price and that he would not take a commission. I think that's what it was meaning. I communicated that to her. I said, I'm going with Johnny, but he says we can give you a two-week exemption or extension. I thought that was fair. She hadn't put any time at all into the house uh, because she already knew the house. She had shown it before as being a realtor with the other women listing it. So things can get really confused out there in secular land. We are trying to deal with integrity. We would not want to take advantage of anyone. But that doesn't mean it's going to work out smoothly because often there are things hidden from us, but God knows everything. We signed with Johnny 
And the house, uh, a peculiar thing happened. The people who had seen the house when we were with the other two realtors wanted to buy the house. And they came back. They returned wanting to buy the house. Pam had talked with Johnny, and I asked Pam, I said, well, are, is Johnny going to give those two realtors a commission? They did a lot of work on showing this house, the realtors who had quit. And she said, yes, he said he he would. I said, well, that's fine. I think everything is correct. So we are still with Johnny. But one thing that did happen with this other person who said she was a Christian, the other realtor, she she said she was a Messianic Jew. We told her about marriage, divorce, remarriage when we found out she was dating someone. She was a divorced woman. And she basically indicated that the Bible rules do not apply to her because they have their own doctrine. <sighs> I was pretty upset about that one, and Pam was more upset than I was because she had talked to this woman. It may sound strange that I would have off, would ask her if she, was she interested in representing the house, but she really understood the house. She understood it was an artwork, and I don't think our other realtors understood that at all. But this woman did understand the house, the Messianic Jew. But there... It got so twisted, it was just shocking. I just hate to work with secular things. You try to be honest with them and forthright, but they have things inside them, agendas, which you don't know what they are. But God has a way of working these things out for us, and we just have to hang on. The only one I can really trust is God. Now, obviously, Pam Paget would be wonderful on things, but Pam doesn't know the future. You might have a husband that you could trust, but he doesn't know the future. Or you, you might have a wife, and she doesn't know the future. So... It is God is where our safety net is, each one of us. God knows whether or not this direction would be in the will of God for us. He knows what's going to happen down the road. I don't consider it safe to follow anything other than the plan which is given that I know to be from God. I certainly wouldn't want to follow my own wisdom because the flesh has an agenda that you don't ever know what it's doing. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So you can be in a mess trying to follow your own ideas. The devil brings you ideas, but you know he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. The only one that's safe is God. The only plan that's safe is the one given to you by God, by the Spirit of God. As Christians, we have a right to that plan. We even have a responsibility 
to follow the Holy Spirit. So when God gives me a word by the Spirit of God, I can know that I'm going in a correct, safe way. And what is truth as you're trying to sort through these secular things? What is truth? I've always had this part of the scripture call to my attention. The truth is in Jesus, the word. Ephesians 4.21 If so be that ye have heard from him, from God, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in that which God shows you by the Holy Spirit. I want to deal fairly with all people. Sometimes it's difficult because they are twisted. Where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. I'm quoting from James chapter 3. Where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. I know that there was some evil work going on concerning the agents that were representing us in this house deal. I know all that confusion that came from the Jewish woman was a sign of envy and strife. She couldn't hear me correctly. That would have been a mess. Some people can't hear correctly. They twist your words to their own preferences instead of accurately hearing what you're saying. When you see that type of thing, you almost have to free yourself. There's a passage of scripture which talks about freeing yourself from such things. It's in Proverbs chapter 6. And God warns us to free ourselves when we see this type of thing. So I knew I couldn't go with her. We went with Johnny, and within two days we had a contract on the house. And it was from the previous people that had looked at the house and had backed off the contract. I don't de like dealing in secular matters because so often you do have deception going on in the other person. Now, I know I'm not trying to deceive them, but you have deception coming from the other direction. And it can get so twisted. It's just incredible how it can get so twisted so fast. God is our help and our hope, and frankly, our only hope. James 1, 5, if you get into a thing like this, you need to know what to do about it. James 1, 5 is a promise to the church. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. 
God will give us the wisdom to deal with these matters. This Messianic Jew woman told me, she said, I know uh, God has ordained me to deal with this property or to represent this property. And I said to her, well, you might be right. She didn't tell me how she knew God had ordained her. I, I just said, well, you might be right. But I told her I was going with Johnny. I figured if God had really ordained her to deal with this property, then after the contract with Johnny, then I could go with her. But there's so much confusion with the woman, I doubted that God had ordained her. I'm always getting emails from ministers who are men who declare they are ministers of Jesus Christ, and they're always wanting money from me or Bibles or something like that. I don't send it to them because I've had a lot of experience with um, following God. And when God tells me to do something, he always has the money there and shows me the way. And it's like they decide what they're going to do and then ask me for the money and others. I know that's not the way of God, so I just don't give to them. One thing that we can really expect to see in the last days is more deception. We know that from several scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that because the wickedness abounded, the love of many would go cold. I think that's cold for the word of God. But they who endure to the end would be saved. So you really have to watch yourself. You get into this stuff and it gets so twisted and you just get so discouraged. And I just turn to God and say, please don't let me be swept away by this. Please help me to endure. Please help me to hold on to faith. For it can get to the point that you even feel that God has departed from you. You can get to the point where you feel like your prayers are not being answered. And in those moments, you just have to back off and tell God, please don't let me be destroyed. Please keep me in the faith. Uh, Job said in one of his statements with all his torments that he went through, he made a decision and he said to God, though you slay me, I will trust in you. And that's pretty much the position I have been in in this house situation. Though you slay me, I will trust in you. I'm going to put my trust in you. And then give God time to raise you back up. He will. And we have other promises that God will guide us if we turn to him. Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And I believe that means pray. Pray. Asking him to help you. 
to help us. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Concerning the deception in the last days, the Apostle Paul told us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days perilous times would come. And he went on to say that men, evil men and seducers, would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So deception's going to be really bad here in the end times. Second Timothy 3, Paul says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. They're going to say they're Christians, especially in the United States. They're going to say they're Christians. That doesn't mean they follow God. It doesn't even mean they're Christians. They might have joined a church without being a Christian. Paul says they will be without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Now there's the part to focus on. They have a form of godliness. They say they are Christians. Some of them even tell you which church they attend. A form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. By their actions, they show they really aren't following God. And he says to us, from such, turn away. Then in verse 13, Paul says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I find the minute that they hear that I am a minister, they tend to tell me they are a Christian. And I usually find there's no evidence of them being a Christian. Paul says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It is God who is our teacher. This situation was really hard for me. It was a test of faith. It was a test of, am I really fit to be a minister? It was a test of several things that I went through. I just committed it to God and did nothing for a couple of days. And then I was, Holy Spirit called to my mind how God had taught me so many things about the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, I could record that on a podcast, and I did. It's called Following God by His Spirit. I find that even real Christians rarely know anything about following God by His Spirit. It is terrifying to me what they do.
I think we, it's critical to understand following the Spirit of God. I record on this subject frequently. And then God got my attention on the book of Psalms, and I began reading Psalms, and I saw scriptures that I really could relate to, and I kind of began to pull back into things of God. Also, another thing that God did was to remind me of how I was born again. He reminded me of the time that he had taken me into heaven. In the night while I slept, I was with God and with Christ and with the Holy Spirit. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, and he did the same thing exactly the second time, a few nights later. Same thing. I was taken into heaven. God... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, were there. I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing this. He reminded me of the many times that he has done things with me to teach me things, and by all of this, he restored me to himself. But it was a battle. This is going to be a battle in the end times. If you belong to God, you're going to have to be able to hold on and endure. Jesus warns us that because wickedness would abound, the love of many, and I believe that's the love of many for the word of God, would wax cold. But they who endure to the end, the same would be saved. And that enduring to the end, there's where your battle is. Because there's so much corruption and so much twisting in the speaking of people who say they're Christians. Every one of these people said they were a Christian. And yet it was very twisted. To hold on just have to pull away, get by yourself, talk to God, get him to help you, and get him to reestablish you in the faith. Matthew 24, and as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man, man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. They will come saying, Jesus is Lord. And because they say Jesus is Lord, Christians will listen to them and many will be deceived by them. And then Jesus says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, and I believe that's the love of many for the word of God, shall wax cold. It is hard 
to hold on to the Word of God when you are in the midst of iniquity and are watching other people do things of iniquity. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So it's a difficult time. And it will get worse and worse as we draw closer to the second coming of Jesus. This is Joan Boney speaking. I have printed these things out for you on our blog. Jesus Ministries Exhortations. If you'll go to our blog, on the right-hand side of the home page, you will see podcast and recordings. You can tap on that and hear this recording again if you wish to do so. But one thing that will be there when you tap on that podcast are all these scriptures are written out for you. So you can take these scriptures and look at them again. That blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.